The Response Source Journalist Inquiry Service connects you, the journalist, with PRs and organisations to secure expert comment, case studies and information for independent editorial, free of charge. Response Source puts you in touch with experts and PR contacts across all sectors, saving you hours of research and helping you meet your deadlines. Hello and welcome to Freelancing for Journalists, the podcast that tells you everything you need to know about working for yourself. I'm Lily Cantor, a freelance money, health and lifestyle journalist. And I'm Emma Wilkinson, a freelance journalist specialising in health and medicine. So Emma, the series is really flying by now. This is our penultimate episode. Where is the time gone? I don't, I don't know where the time's gone. We've had two of our monthly lunchtime webinars already as well. So I'm glad that we planned all this out at the start of the year, or I think we might be sort of in headless chicken mode right now. How's your week been? Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit tired at the moment. Um, yeah, it's a bit difficult to get going, I must admit. But um, I guess that's with everything that's been going on. It's in the world. It's just been difficult ups and downs but we'll we will get there how about you yes so I think we were talking before we started recording that we're both in kind of some kind of zombie mode today don't know what's happening but I am enjoying uh the spring weather at the time of recording it's quite nice and not being freezing constantly at my desk or when I go out for a run it's quite nice uh, not to be slip sliding round everywhere when you're outside so the simple things Indeed. Right, let's get on to this week's topic, which is finding a mentor. We've got two great guests with us today who are going to share their wisdom on why and how, the why and how of getting a mentor, as well as making the most of that relationship. Yeah, so by mentor, we mean someone who is more experienced and knowledgeable, who can help guide and teach you so you can grow in your career. So this could be a formal arrangement, so through a mentorship scheme um, or something more informal. So just someone, you know, someone you've met along the way, a contact that you've made along the way, who has been helpful to you. Yeah, and this is really important when you're freelancing, because if you're in a staff job, you'd have a line manager or maybe someone more senior who would kind of be there to give you guidance, um, even kind of without calling themselves a mentor, that, that's kind of what they would perhaps naturally do but when you're freelance or just starting out it it can be really tricky to know sort of how you're actually getting on and also how do you actually find a mentor someone who can give you that guidance yeah so Lily and I both have multiple mentees that we help out kind of through formal schemes but also informally people we've collected along the way Um, and we'll try and set out in this episode why we think that's uh, important but let's start with our top tips on this topic okay so my top tip this week is to try and set some level of expectation at the start of a mentor-mentee relationship to make sure you're getting the most out of it so that might be about how often you communicate or specific goals you'd like to achieve I think sometimes if you're not clear what's expected from either of you, it can either end up fizzling out or there's some kind of disappointment or frustration on either side. Lily, what's your top tip? 
Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Um, sorry, what you're just saying about um, expectations, because it's time as well, isn't it? How much time your your mentor has got um, to give to you as well, and and you being you know being aware of that, but also making the most of it. Um, and I think really as part of that relationship, it's about keeping in touch with your mentor, even if like the scheme ends or you feel that you've done your kind of period of time with them, whether that's like work experience or if it is like a mentoring, um, say throughout a year, um, because basically you never know where they're going to end up and what opportunities they might have for you in the future. So even if at the moment you feel like that relationship has kind of come to a natural end, um, it's really important to just stay in touch with that person because they might be someone who might commission you in the future or might bear you in mind for a particular project. So I would I would definitely say kind of keep up that relationship um, in the longer term. Yeah, absolutely. You never know where people are going to end up or where they're going to move on to. So that's that's very useful. Okay, shall we bring in our guests for today? So first we have Asia Iftikhar. Hi, Asia. Hi. Um, Asia is a student, a freelance journalist and founder of the Excellent Young Journalist Community, a Facebook group connecting journalists trying to enter the industry. And they have a mentor scheme, which we will find more out more about later. And um, we also have Jess Morris. Hi, Jess. Um, Jess is a full-time journalism master's student at the University of Sheffield and she is a recipient of the NCTJ's Journalism Diversity Fund. She writes for a variety of online publications and works part-time as a virtual assistant. Okay, so we're really interested in hearing what you both have to say about mentoring and your experience of that. But to kick us off, let's hear your top tips. So Asia, we'll come to you first. What would be your key bit of advice for someone looking to get a mentor? So aside from the two really good bits of advice that you've both said already, I would say probably reading their work and making sure you're actually keeping up with what your mentor is doing and you're actively interested in sort of how their career is developing. Um, yeah so that you can when you talk to them it's something you can mention and gives you more like fuel to talk about and like make a build a better relationship with them yeah that's a really good point <clears throat> and we often say actually when we're when we're talking about our our work experience scheme that to flatter people that you want to to work with uh, it does does go a long way flattery Jess same question to you you've had experience of being <clears throat> excuse me being a mentee so what would your top tip be for making the most of that experience? I think to make the most of it, um, something that I sort of figured out along the way is it's a really good idea to keep a question bank. So sort of every week things crop up and I'm like, oh, like what would I do in that situation in the working environment? Or, you know, I'm not really sure about sort of topics such as invoicing and things like that. Um, so I try to keep a note of it, even if it's just a little sticky note stuck to the wall somewhere where I've panicked and I've just jotted it down. I think that's really helpful because then when I have my sort of either weekly or monthly catch ups with my two mentors, then I've got them questions at hand and I know exactly what they can help me with and what I really want to ask them. Yeah, that's a really good idea because you will forget those things that kind of just pop into your mind as you go along. But at the same time you're being mindful of 
the fact that you don't want to waste their time and you don't want to kind of be bombarding them with questions outside those set times that you've arranged to meet so yeah I think that's very organized way of looking at it Jess um I mean I suppose a good place to start with this topic would be just with the why so why can finding a mentor be important for those starting out sort of either in their journalism career or in their freelance career if they're taking the kind of leap into that Asia, what would your thoughts on that be yeah so I think that particularly with the media industry it it's so vast and confusing and can be quite overwhelming when you're just starting to think about whether you want to enter it. And there's lots of different routes into it. You can get qualifications, you can um, go to different jobs and end up doing freelance afterwards. So I think because there's such a variety of ways to enter the industry and there's so much that it's difficult to find out about, like invoicing and how to actually get commissioned, how to build relationships with editors. It's quite unique in that sense, I think the media industry. So having a mentor just gives more structure and advice on how you can actually carve out a path into the industry and you can learn the tips and tricks along the way. So I think it's really, really important to just help you untangle the mess of entering the industry yeah that's really true it is quite a murky world and and I think especially the freelancing side of it is yeah it's it can often be or feel like it's quite secretive and it's really good to have someone in the know that can kind of take your hand through that Jess coming on to you I just wanted to talk a little bit about your involvement in the freelancing for journalists work experience scheme because we set this up last year and the idea was that it was an opportunity for students or recent graduates to pair up with experienced freelancers for remote work experience. And I believe for you, this has kind of created more of a longer lasting relationship with your mentors. So could you tell us a little bit about that? So the scheme worked wonderfully for me. Um, the first uh, freelancer that I emailed, a uh, freelance journalist, um, I sort of saw your description of her on the scheme and I thought that that's the one for me kind of thing. So I put my all into the email that I sent her and luckily she was, um, she liked the sound of me too. So yeah, we set up a sort of part-time work experience agenda around my um, full-time MA course. So yeah, I was working, um, doing work experience with her up until mid-January and then she actually offered me part-time paid work as her virtual assistant on her newsletter so yeah it's only a couple of hours a week but that is just really valuable experience for me and it's grown into sort of even more I would like I'd even call her a friend now so I think I've got a lot of it a lot out of it just by sort of doing my best and giving it my all in those first few weeks and like really trying to you know, trying to do as much as I could to help her with her work and trying to learn as much as I could. I think she liked my attitude to work and yeah, I think it paid off and yeah, the schemes worked out really well for me in that way. Yeah, and I think there's that transition, isn't there, between kind of work experience and mentoring as well. It's kind of not either or, it kind of all feeds into each other. So sometimes you might call it mentoring if it's more someone giving you advice other times it's a work experience if you're doing more hands-on um hands-on tasks but then at the end of it you're kind of getting advice and feedback as well and that could then go on so that 
where the kind of mentoring element um I suppose comes into it doesn't it yeah and what you say that you um you kind of liked her description because we're gonna move on to kind of how to find a mentor but you obviously kind of thought that she would be useful to you and there was some kind of connection there and um, what was it that kind of attracted you to uh, sign up for that particular work experience opportunity I knew that she had the freelance parent newsletter and being a parent myself that was an obvious connection and I thought wow yes I have a lot to say around those topics so you know that would be sort of something that I could really bring to the table and um, first-hand experience and I'm, I'm happy to write about parenting all day long <laughs> um, but um, yeah also just the fact that she was into fashion and beauty as well so it was really important for me to pick someone that it was sort of the way I would like to see my future going, sort of, not exactly, obviously, because everybody has their own path, but something that I aspire to be, like, why not choose a mentor that's actually made it and they might have wisdom to impart. And yeah, that's sort of why I chose Kat as my mentor. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, having that kind of shared interests or kind of create, I um, do some mentoring through the Women in Journalism Mentor scheme and um the two kind of mentees that I have through that are both wanting to work in health and science journalism and obviously we got paired together because that's the area that I work in so and then let's move on to the the how question so if you're thinking this sounds amazing I need to do this I'd love to have a mentor I'd love to have the experience that Jess had but you don't know kind of how to go about it and what options do you have um Asia, what would be a good starting point, do you think, if you're literally just thinking, well, I need to get me one of those mental things? I think that there are sort of, at that point, there are two paths you can go down, which is very much fit into either a formal or informal path. With the formal one, you can sort of do research into what schemes are out there. Like you just mentioned the Women in Journalism scheme, and then there's also the John Schofield Trust scheme as well and there's quite a few formal ones that if you do a bit of perusing like on journal resources and other places you can normally find them um and so you can apply to those i think that obviously that's especially when i was starting out and trying to find a mentor i thought that that was the only way that you could get a mentor is by going through formal schemes but there are also lots of opportunities outside of those schemes where you can build a mentorship relationship so whether that's through somebody that you've followed on twitter who you admire or somebody that you've connected with on a facebook group or through a, a chat that you're on together um reaching out is again sort of bringing it back to flattery normally people are quite flattered if you reach out and say i really admire your work um i would love if you could sort of give me some tips or advice and maybe have some specific questions in mind so like on a basic level those are sort of the two paths that you would go down either formal or informal and what about your scheme that you set up with your facebook group how does that work yes yeah, so on the young journalist community because that's largely based around um young journalists supporting one another so the the mentorship scheme is built into the Facebook group they have a setting for that and people can it's very casual so people can sign up to this to the page saying 
oh, hi, my name is blah, blah. This is my experience. If anybody wants advice on freelancing in this area, feel free to pop me a message. And then through the scheme, you click, oh, send message to this person. And then you can contact them and vice versa. You can say, hi, my name is blah, blah. I am interested in entering this area if anybody would like to talk to me about that. So currently, I think there's around 35 to 40 people who are signed up to it on a casual basis where you can pop a message and see if they want to chat. Um, so I've heard that that's been really useful for some people and myself, I'm signed up onto it as a mentor, um, more in a peer sense. So I don't have loads of experience, but I can sort of give a bit of advice on how to start out. Um, so I have one or two people who I chat to on a regular basis about, oh, this is what I did when I was pitching for the first time and that kind of thing. So it's very much what you make of it. That sounds really useful. And that idea of um, kind of peer to peer support as well is really important. So if someone kind of works out how to do something, they can kind of share that that knowledge. And as you say, there's quite a few other schemes around. I know the second source um, have a mentoring scheme and there are others. We'll we'll dig some out and put them um, in our show notes. Um, one thing, Jess, I wanted to ask you about was um, obviously you're studying at the moment. And I just wondered if um, having a mentor is something that's ever kind of talked about on your course. Or do you think you actually have to be quite sort of self-motivated and and do it yourself and think of it yourself funny that you say that now actually because only recently um my department actually launched a mentorship scheme themselves so I've had a million emails saying you know like last chance to sign up for your mentor so uni are actually pairing people up well the journalism department are pairing people up now with mentors in the industry but until then it wasn't really spoken about and I sort of came across your scheme on twitter um, so yeah I think recently I've seen a lot more attention to it and maybe they are realizing how useful it is um, but for me I was never really on the hunt to find one because I'm um, a recipient to of the JDF um, the NCTJ's Journalism Diversity Fund and so I was assigned a mentor through that um, so you also get paired up with um, somebody already in the industry. So I'm um, sort of, I speak to the editor of the Basingstoke Gazette um, once a month and we have a good chat about things and um, she gives me advice and things. But yeah, I think until recently, there wasn't a great deal of conversation around mentorship. And I wonder if that's something to do with if the pandemic has had an impact on that because that's why we started our journalism work experience initiative because we were aware that the usual opportunities that kind of trainee or student journalists would have had disappeared everybody was working remotely those you know kind of going into the newsroom type work experience wasn't happening and um, so we kind of just thought well freelancers have always worked at home why can't you know we just set this up that they can do remote work experience opportunities um, and I think that's probably where your university is coming from isn't it Jess that they just thought we need to kind of create a different way to provide that support and that kind of that type of learning for students um, I mean do you think I wonder if um Elsie, I wonder if you think that's become more important at the moment making those connections because everyone is kind of a little bit isolated working remotely absolutely I think that sort of peer mentorship and also mentorship with people who are more qualified and advanced um, 
is has almost been like the bedrock of how I've been able to get like understand the industry this year before the pandemic I was didn't really have that much knowledge about what I was going to do post-graduation or how I would be able to, to progress but the pandemic sort of gave both myself the time and it looks like a lot of journalists who I noticed an increase on like social media of journalists saying, oh, pop us a message if you want to, uh, like, I would love to give young journalists advice. I saw loads of tweets like that, especially in the past couple of months. Um, so I think it's been really a big support base for a lot of young journalists to sort of still feel like they can do something, even if like internships were shutting down and everything was sort of up in the air and there wasn't hugely positive news about the direction of the media industry especially towards the beginning of the pandemic so it was really really important to sort of instill hope and motivation. Yeah absolutely and I think obviously hopefully fingers crossed we are going to get back to a place where kind of things will come back to a version of normal but you you know you, you kind of want to keep your learning and your kind of you know growth as a journalist or whatever going through that through that period and actually we've learned a lot about remote working I'm sure lots of kind of remote types of mentor schemes will continue because it just works so well and it fits in with everybody's you know working week and um, I mean let's talk about what makes a good mentor from your point of view Jess this would be a good question to ask you because you've got lots of mentors but what kind of what you know from the mentor's point of view, what should we be offering? What's useful to you? So I think obviously, if you've made yourself available to be a mentor, then you must want to impart your knowledge and help younger journalists um, sort of find their feet and give them advice. So often they are really willing um, to answer questions because like, that's what they're there for. That's why they're in this. And I think that they themselves um, find that helpful so yeah I think just find someone who's available to answer your questions um, and obviously is willing to impart advice and um, sort of really gives you the time to listen to your personal situation and try to tailor their answers to you so um, yeah I think that's important um, because even like the busy journalists um, who mentor me find the time of day to sort of listen to my situation and think of the best ways to sort of support me and where I want to go with my career so yeah I think if you can find someone like that that's really rewarding um, and also with work experience I know that mentoring is sort of a different thing but if if you do work experience with um, your mentor or find work through them um, someone who respects um, your time and doesn't ask for sort of ridiculous demands or um I think I'd be really lucky with like very understanding um a very understanding mentor and work experience um coach so yeah just that mutual respect um is really important yeah and I think it's also important to kind of pick up on one of the points you you said there about that there are kind of schemes out there that are that are for I guess what we might refer to as young young journalists but there are also schemes that are for experienced journalists as well and that and that there are probably points in your career where it's always kind of good to have a mentor I know the women in journalism scheme you've got to have a certain year's amount of experience before you can even get on that 
scheme, it's kind of more about progressing your career than starting out. And I know that one of the mentees I've got is probably around about the same age as me. Um, but we've got different experience. So that's quite good because that can be kind of mutually beneficial as well. But she's come to me about a specific project she's working on that I've got experience of. So I can share that with her. And I think it's a, a case of like never feeling like you're you're too young or you're too old to have a mentor because it's it's definitely something that um, kind of can work for everyone at whatever stage they're at. And yeah, also... And it- I was going to say, might just to tie in with what you've just said, Lily, it's, it can be about learning a, a skill that's quite different to what you already do. So it could be something about um, someone who's good at business or management, and you kind of need to get more experience of that in order to progress. So it's about thinking what your goals are, <laughs> you know, what skills do I have and what skills do I need to learn and who can help me kind of learn and get to that, get to that next step. Um, I mean, I guess we should talk about how to make the most of that relationship when you're the mentee. So, I mean, Jess, your top tip was really good there about, um, you know, having that list of questions ready. Are there um, kind of other things that you would suggest to help you make the most of that relationship? I think with mentoring, um if it's sort of like the odd conversation here and there, um, questions, 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 because if your mentor is gonna want you to ask those questions and have like a really engaging, productive conversation. So yeah, just questions again, but also um, if you feel like the mentorship or work experience could lead on to work or obviously um, any contacts are great contacts. So, just show show your willingness constantly um, and sort of make yourself um, available and sort of convince them that you're useful and, you know, a hard worker. I think that is just the best way to get the best out of it because if, if you, you get out what you put in, I believe, in things like that. So, yeah, just give it your all and show up as your best self when you can. Fantastic. Yeah, you don't want to be the unreliable kind of flaky person who's not coming along to meetings or not doing what you said you were going to do I mean Asi have you got anything there to add about how to make the most of that relationship I would probably say sort of what you were saying at the beginning Emma about setting yourself goals as well when you're talking with your mentor so that um like beyond the question sort of when you're rounding up the conversation you're saying okay so let's talk next month and by then I want to have tried pitching this one place and I'll send you my pitch so you can have a look over it before I send it it can be something as specific as that or something more vague if you don't have a clear picture of exactly what the goal is but just having sort of some benchmarks and aims so that the net you know you have something that you can talk about the next time you speak where you can like give them an update and be like oh I tried that what we discussed last time and this was the outcome how can I change it for next time or improve it um so yeah setting yourself goals so that you can sort of discuss them and see how they're developing with your mentor which I guess is the main point of having a mentor but sort of really having that pinned down by the end of the conversation is I think quite important yeah because you don't want to be going around in circles do you having the same conversation every time you have that meeting because there weren't there wasn't anything kind of actionable or anything that you were kind of aiming to do by the 
by the time of the next one um you kind of need that in order to have that progression um i mean are there anything that you should definitely any tips for anything you should definitely not do i mean i would say i'm going to start by that by saying don't bombard your mentor with kind of in between meetings in between times constant requests for can you look at this can you check this do you think i should do this when you're kind of in a formal mental relationship because you don't want them to get sick of you you have to remember that they're really really busy and yeah so are there any other really I don't know if you've got any definite what not to do when you've got a mentor well yeah it's that thing isn't it about time it's kind of not not pushing it too far so that you end up annoying them I guess you know it's it's like you say it's about setting those expectations isn't it so at the beginning say you know how often you you'd like to to have a chat with them so is that going to be every month or every week I know I had one mentee that asked me if we can meet every week and I kind of almost had a heart attack um I was like well I don't think we quite need that We, we can set you a few different actions and then we can meet once a month so kind of not having I guess your expectations too high um and kind of being able to negotiate and come up with something reasonable that works for everyone because it's got to be you know mutually beneficial um I don't know if if Jess you've got any other kind of advice on definite kind of don'ts I would say I agree with everything that you've said sort of like don't overstep the mark and remember that whoever your mentor is has a life too outside of work um so don't contact them at ridiculous times or anything like that um and also just with um sort of asking them for advice and or like insight into the industry just don't ask silly questions like oh how much do you make per year or you know any inappropriate questions like that um I mean I know that's basic etiquette but I think, yeah, maybe some people don't realise how, you know, far to go with asking people intrusive questions. So, yeah. And do we think, I assume we do, well, I assume Jess does because she's collecting lots of mentors along the way, but I do we think that it's okay to have more than one mentor? Because I guess they can offer you different things, can't they, Azia? What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that it's all, I guess it, sort of how you define mentor in your head so you know you can have people who you might like regularly go to like oh I know that they've been reliable in the past and I have this question so for example I was having an issue with a publication and somebody who I knew and talked to a bit I knew they'd worked with them before so I messaged saying oh I'm having this issue like do you know if there's a way I can resolve it and then they were really helpful so I knew that I could rely on them if I was having problems in that area again I could contact them um so and then similarly there are people that I sort of regularly go to for advice who are more like at my level of the in terms of their progression in the media industry and then I also have a more formal mentor who I will go to on a regular basis when we've organized calls. So I don't, as you were saying, I think it's just what you wanna get out of the relationships. And as long, I don't think it's a bad thing to have more than one mentor, as long as you know you have your own expectations of what you wanna get out of all of them and you have the time and you're not stretching yourself really thin. 
yeah, yeah and it's and it's also understanding that you you may get contradictory advice as well mm-hmm. um and that's fine you know everyone kind of operates differently and has got different advice and and doesn't mean one set of advice is better than another you kind of just have to take what is useful for you and not to be afraid to contact people directly and like we were saying earlier about you know contacting people try and try and find I would suggest try and find their email if you can I think email is always better than than social media um do a bit of research about them um flatter them and and um ask them if you know they they can mentor you um I think there's no you know the worst they can say is no or ignore you and you know so what you can kind of move on to the next person yeah and actually you might initially you might just start out by saying you know could we have a coffee virtually or in real life and just kind of meet for a chat I'd really like to kind of pick your brains you have you know you are you are kind of where I want to be in my career and I'd really like to kind of you know get your advice on that I was thinking before this before we recorded this episode because I've never had a formal mentor but I've had lots and lots of people who I've gone to for specific advice about different things that might be kind of career decisions like at one point I was thinking do I want to do a PhD do I want to go into academia and kind of there was a specific person that I trusted to to go to to give me because you'll get different answers to that question depending on who you ask and whether the people you ask are in academia or not so there was a person that I kind of trusted to give me advice that would be relevant to me and helpful and help me think through that process um, and you know we kind of met and had a chat about that and um, there's kind of other people that have helped me in the uh, freelancing uh, kind of when I first started out freelancing so those you know relationships don't have to be as formal as you know I'm going to sign up to this specific scheme you might have had a mentor and not called them that and not realized um, that's what it was until you kind of sat down and thought about you know who you who would you go to for advice if you were going to make a big career change and uh, or you wanted to kind of learn something new change direction you didn't know how to go about it yeah we'll do what I did and just get drunk with your mates and go I want to go freelance well there's that as well and then <laughs> and then you just get me going yeah do it be good be fine no problem okay do you think it's a good point to um move on to our listener dilemma of the week I do yeah so this is the section of the podcast where we put your questions to our guests and fix a problem you've been having or just to give our thoughts on something that you've been wondering about this week yeah so this week the dilemma was from Katie Ann Tobin in our freelance community and she's been asking about what is your invoicing etiquette um, and in particular when do you follow up um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start this one off and um, I'm gonna kind of go straight into the deep end here and do what I really should do myself and still haven't got around to doing but I've seen a lot more people doing it and that is basically setting out your payment terms in your invoice so that's usually 28 days and then stating if it's um, not paid within that particular period of time that you will charge late payment fees Um, it's something we should all be doing as freelancers and not not enough of us are and I am guilty of that as well Um, so that would be my advice set out your payment terms and obviously if you don't get paid within those 28 days then you need to follow up straight away 
Yeah, um, so I have, I don't have the late fee wording on my invoice, mainly because I'm usually working for people that I now have quite good relationships with because they're kind of regular clients. And so they know that I am going to be on them on day 31 when they haven't paid. And usually they're very good at getting it through quickly. But yeah, I do set out those payment terms. I say 30 days, this invoice needs to be paid, you know, is due within 30 days. And I have it highlighted at the bottom of my invoice. And I do chase, and I used to be a lot more kind of coy or nervous about chasing. I, I didn't do it to the extent I do now. I'm it, like, as soon as that payment is due, I don't even apologize anymore. I used to be very kind of, oh, please, I hope if you've got this kind of in your, and now I'm just, yeah, this is due. Can you find out when it's going to be, can I get a date when it's going to be paid? And just kind of, you know, without being rude. Um, but, and actually it does get it, it does get it sorted. You're a business and you kind of need to be getting into the habit of doing that would be my advice there. Asi, have you got anything to add to that? Um maybe sort of speaking to people who are who might be sending an invoice for the first time ever um sort of really reading through the initial email that the editor might have sent in terms of payment making sure that you've read what the requirements are from the invoice and that you've added like just double checking that you've added all the information and details that you need to so that there's no like problems when you send it because there's nothing more stressful than sending it and then them being like you need to include this or that so if you're like doing it for the first time just triple checking because so many publications have different ways of filing payments so it can get quite confusing so just keeping a track of how you paid and what details you're meant to put in that's a really good point actually and it's really useful to always ask up front if there if there's any forms you need to fill if you've not worked for them before because quite often you need to get on the system or they've got some kind of new form and you know if they then ask you that three weeks down the line, that's a massive delay to you getting paid. So that's really useful. Um, Jess, have you come across any, as a kind of new uh, writer, have you kind of come across any tips for getting those invoices sorted? I'm not greatly experienced yet, so I don't have too much to say, but um, I think like you were saying, Emma, with chasing, um, don't be afraid to chase and, just be honest and say look this this is late and this is like you owe me this payment um because you wouldn't accept that behavior from an employer so there's literally no reason why you should accept it from another organization that you're freelancing for so yeah just to back that one up that's a really good point actually if you were in a staff job and your salary didn't arrive there'd be all hell to pay <laughs> so yeah really good point um okay so on that note, this is time to bring this episode to a close. Thanks so much to Asia and Jess for coming on and sharing your expertise on this topic. That was super helpful. If you want to know more about us, including our newsletter, then head to freelancingforjournalists.com, where you can also find out all you need to know about our journalism work experience initiative. Um, you can also uh, follow us on Twitter, where we are at freelancing for, or individually, I'm at Emma Journo. And I'm at Lily Cantor. Uh, if you haven't already, head over and join our Freelancing for Journalists Facebook community. Uh, we're on Instagram now as well, so you can hunt us out on there. And if you feel like giving us a thumbs up or a review, ugh, I can't say it, review of the podcast, uh, we'd love to hear your feedback and it definitely helps other people find us. 
yeah, uh, so yeah, once again, big thanks to our producer, Richard Wilson, who sorts out any edits for us. And next week in the last podcast of the series, <laughs> I'm a bit nervous about this one, um, we're going to be covering demystifying TikTok, whatever that is. Um, I know. I so, <laughs> we're going to be learning a lot from that one. But goodbye for now. Bye.